welcome to Salty Lit and Spiritually Fit. I'm your hostess, B. Leonard. It is good to be here with you today. If this is your first time or if you're returning and you haven't done so yet, take a moment to hit the subscribe button. That'll let you know when we have a new episode popping up. We aim to have one out every Friday at noon central for you. This is a wonderful place for us to exalt the name of the Lord, to edify and encourage one another, and to live out life through the lens of scripture in practical ways. Today we're going to be talking about a not so popular topic, but one that I do feel is long overdue to be addressed. A little bit of temper tantrum will be thrown around in here, a little bit of description of anger and mercy and the attributes of God. So go ahead and set a spell. We're about to dig in deep. All right, we're going to go to a not so biblical uh, place and just go straight to Scribber. If you go into, like many of us, to a great Google search here, you might type in what is something, right? What is something? Well, I want to talk about a verb, right? Today, we're going to describe a verb through Scribber. Scribber or scriber, a verb is a word that indicates a physical action, a mental action, and a state of being, meaning that you either have drive, you think, or it exists. Every sentence contains a verb. Verbs are almost always used along with a noun or a pronoun to describe what the noun or pronoun is doing. Let's apply that to mercy. Mercy is a verb. Mercy is an action. So today, we're talking about checking yourself before you wreck yourself. We're talking about tempers and how when they're left unchecked, we do wreck ourselves. We wreck the work that God is doing in our life. We hinder our testimony. We create stumbling blocks for others. And we certainly heap a good old dose of condemnation right on our own heads. And we're talk a little bit about how we do that as we get in here. This is not a podcast of condemnation. No, no, no. This is a podcast of, of understanding how God operates even when we're faulty. When we have faith and we have repentance, we can move back into fellowship with God. But we can't just overlook and sweep under the rug the things of our flesh that cause contention in this world or cause our brothers and sisters to stumble or cause ourselves to go into places of, of, I don't know, let's see, go into deep waters without a safety vest. That's probably a good, without a life vest, right? We like to go off the deep end sometimes, right? We weren't really led there, but our flesh got us there and we don't know what to do. Well, we're about to talk a little bit about that. We're about to bring it back. We're about to bring it back. So let's, mercy as a verb. Mercy is an action word. We don't often use mercy as this way. No, we really don't. Mercy means to have pity on someone and act in a way that helps them. Mercy means that we're taking action. It's not just feeling sorry for someone or understanding someone's need. Mercy stops us from making a snap judgment or acting on a snap judgment. Maybe we made the snap judgment. Maybe we were going to fly off the handle. Maybe we were going to have that meltdown. Maybe we were going to speak that harsh word. But mercy kind of goes, ah, we ought not to. We ought not to. And why ought we not to? Why ought we not to? Well, because our God didn't. When he could be full of wrath and he could be full of anger, 
he didn't. He, he doesn't. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 tells us God is mercy. God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions. Dead in our transgressions. Dead in the water, guys. Dead in the water. Dead in our sin. Dead in our, our places of stumbling. Dead in our flesh. God who is mercy. God who is rich in mercy. That God, that God brought us back to life. So, we're thinking about temper tantrums and then the context of having a temper tantrum or flying off the handle. We find quite a bit of warning about that in scripture. Let's head over to Proverbs twenty-two twenty-four. Don't make friends with anyone who has a bad temper. Well, there's a stumbling block for you. You don't exactly go seeking friends who have bad tempers or yoking yourself to a spouse or to a, a co-worker or a community member or a leader in an organization when you see that they have a bad temper. That bad temper can discredit all the work that's being done in their lives because we see that it's threatening, it's divisive, sometimes it's painful if we're on the other side of those harsh words being spoken or the actions being taken that are not Christ-like, right? Proverbs fifteen eighteen tells us that a hot a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets the contention. Quiets the contention. I have a question for you. If on social media, if on Reddit, if on uh, Insta, if on Facebook, wherever, Google reviews, Amazon reviews, any of those places that you have freedom of speech, any of those places that you can type out something, are you aware of what you're typing? Are you aware of the words that you're communicating with? Are you aware of the way that others are perceiving that? Because I came across something, oh, it was a couple weeks ago, that was written by someone I know, and I thought, huh, that sounds so out of character for them. Out of character. Well, that small misstep on their behalf of expressing themselves without checking themselves for a moment led to a whole string of people jumping on that bandwagon. Over and over and over again. And it just evolved so quickly. Guys, I have a personal story. Uh, about maybe a month ago or so, I was at a Bucky's. I had to go to the restroom. Of course, I needed to get into Bucky's. You know, that's the most convenient place to go. It's an experience, really. It really is. <laughs> I could have went anywhere. We went to Bucky's. I wanted a burrito, to be truthful. I know everybody's about their brisket, but I do love a Bucky's burrito. I wanted a burrito. I need to go to the restroom, do all the things. I'm headed out of there, going to, I'm headed out from going out there. I can't walk as close to the car line as I probably should have been because people were backing out and not paying attention, okay? I have a little hesitation when it comes to something like that. I've lost a family member to a car accident as a pedestrian, so I'm a little bit more cautious perhaps in that way. Well, this gentleman, he's creeping up on me, which is making me feel very uncomfortable and nervous. And then he goes to beep. He beeps at me. Y'all, I wish I had had God, a godly moment in that moment. I did not. I tried to ignore it. I tried to ignore his creeping up on me. His beep set me over the edge. Then he rolled down his window. 
I explained to him that I could not get any closer to those cars as I could. You know, okay, we're doing all right. We're doing okay. I'm handling myself very well. He spouts something out at me, and the next thing you know, my middle finger went flying up in the air, and it was not to praise Jesus with a whole hand. It was a moment of shame if I ever did have one. I discredited myself in that moment. I was embarrassed. I was frustrated. I cried afterwards, and I got into the car. I repented. I turned away from it. I explained to myself to the person that was with me, you know, I'm so sorry. Like, I was triggered. Y'all, I'm sure you don't have to think back too hard on a time where you were triggered in today's society. One of my pastors used to say, people are pushing your buttons while you got buttons for. Right? We all have a button. We all have a trigger that's not been surrendered to the Lord. Or we all have one that makes us a little bit more prone to act foolishly. It is not unknown to the Lord that we have that. It is not unknown to the Lord. In Proverbs 25, 28, it says a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. We'll take that further and think about what that might mean. Open to ridicule, ravished, open to plundering, wide open, defenseless for the world and the, and the enemy to come tumbling into, to take and pull from everything that's been built up. We must check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Of course, what do we do when we get back there? Can we never come back? Should we just be cowering in the corner and never feel like we can go to Bucky's again? Or never feel like we can look at our friend again? No, 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 no. We can repent. We can turn away from that. We absolutely 100% can. And we do. And we should. We should be careful when we act foolishly to not stay there. We should adopt a Proverbs 15 one moment. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We should have that soft answer to turn away the wrath. We should go beyond the surface offense and seek the soul opportunity. When we go beyond the surface offense and we seek the soul opportunity, it's an opportunity for us to surrender. Whatever's eaten our grape, whatever's frustrating us, Whatever triggered us or tipped us, we can go into the place of the soul opportunity. I could have, in hindsight, and what I hope to do in foresight, have just, when he rolled down his window, I could have told him to have a great day. I could have told him, sorry, sir, I didn't mean to impede the traffic. I'll move over a little bit. He didn't know all of the things that were raging inside of me. He didn't know how he was offending me. Was his action commendable? No. Was it a nice thing to do? No. Was he probably trying to incite some anger? Mm, likely, right? He was bullying me with a vehicle. He was doing things that, that weren't nice, that wasn't, you know, helpful or to my, to my well-being. But that didn't mean that I needed to go there too. Sometimes we don't need to go there too. But there are opportunities for anger to become righteous anger. When we see someone who's being hurt or offended, when we see someone unrightly yielding the word of God as a weapon against another brother or sister, when we see someone being slandered online, we can take appropriate action. We can restrain ourselves. We can reevaluate the situation. We can release the situation to God himself. We can ask ourselves, is there something else going on inside of me? Is there something happening that I don't see? Something beyond that surface? 
Is there something that I need to work through? Is this emotion really, is this acting on this emotion really going to cause and bring about the change that I want to see? Or do I need to sit on it for a second? And I'm, I'm here to tell you, you likely need to sit on it for a second. It goes to show, and James, James knew what he was talking about, in James 2, 13 through 18, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking on daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things that they need for the body, what good is that? So also by faith itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say to you, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith without works. Mercy is an action. Mercy requires us to have self-control. Mercy requires us to take a beat and put our, lay ourselves down for a minute and to really evaluate what we're doing, to not be a quick-tempered. To, in that mercy, we can have faith. And in that faith, we can have action. And in that action, we can bring others to faith. Your community really is in your hands. Your family really is in your hands. I close this out with Micah 6, 8. No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good and what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let's pray. Our Father God, if we're being honest, we fall far away from your mercy seat. Lord, we forget that it's through your mercifulness that we even have access to you in the throne that we can come into your throne room unrestrained and unrestricted, unashamed. We can lay down everything that burdens us, every misstep that we take. Lord, for those times that we fly off the handle, so to speak, or we speak a harsh word that we know does not build others up, that we forget to encourage or edify, or we give somebody a what for. Lord, for those moments where we lose ourselves, when we forget to check ourselves, and we really do wreck ourselves, when we leave ourselves wide open, to the wiles of the enemy. Lord, we thank you that you are there as a hedge of protection, that you are waiting for us to return unto you, that you can strengthen us and restore us. You can renew our minds. Let us not dwell in those places, Lord. Let us not delight in the anger of this world. Let us be quick to listen and slow to speak. May we be found faithful in these little moments, Lord God. May you be glorified in all of our ways, whether it's in social media chat rooms or online reviews walking down the parking lot at popular gas stations. Lord, in all that we do, let us carry you with us. Let us be reminded that it is through your mercy that we are here and you are near. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. Mm-hmm.